Well, you certainly should already feel encouraged today, singing through some of those truths. Um, I'm glad you're here today, glad that you were willing to brave the forecast. I don't know, it, it seems like there's never the same level of terror in a forecast on Monday that there is on Sunday. I don't, I don't know. It just seems like when they bring it, it's just, on Sunday, it's just terrifying what's about to happen. Uh, but I'm glad you, you worked through that. I don't know. Uh, I'm either biased or I'm just bitter from a tough football loss. I don't know. Either way, Lord, change our heart. If you are um, joining with us today for the first time, we are in what I'm going to call the middle of a series called Untying the Knots. Untying the Knots. And what we're doing is we're looking at just a handful of specific things that Jesus said not to do. And we're realizing that those things really probably did not make sense to those first followers until Jesus rose from the dead. So he said things like, do not fear. All right? We hear that and we go, yeah, I, I want to do that. I, that. That would be great, but who can do that? And, and then last week we saw Jesus said, do not worry. Again, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great not to worry about tomorrow? And then Jesus rises from the dead. And me putting my trust in him, the one who controls tomorrow, suddenly that makes sense. Me not having to fear, even when there's something to be afraid of, it suddenly makes sense. Everything changed when Jesus rises from the dead. But today's not, I think is probably the most often quoted of all the nots. It's the most often quoted, and I'm saying probably by those who are not Jesus followers, it's the not that is often thrown back in the direction of Christians. Um, maybe this not is the issue that, that you would say, this is my problem with the church. This is, this is my issue with the church. Maybe this is the one not that Jesus said that you quote often to people. Anybody want to guess what the not is today? There you go. Do not judge. Do not Judge. Let me go ahead and translate. Do not judge. Do not size me up and write me off. That's what I'm talking about. Do, do, don't judge me. Don't judge me because of where I live or what I wear or what I've said or who I've been with or what is printed on my body. We could roll through the list, but don't judge me. Don't you size me up. And write me off. Don't judge me. Nobody likes to be judged. And maybe you would say, see, I, I couldn't have told you where it was in the Bible, but I knew it was in there. I knew it was in there. Don't judge me. Well, it is in there, and in a minute I'm going to show you where. 
But I want us to at least consider for a moment before we, before we dig into that, why do you think it is that religious people tend to be so judgmental? I mean, because it really does seem to be a thing. When you get around religious people, this whole idea of judging, why, why do religious people tend to be so judgmental? I'm going to give you a couple of reasons, I think. The first one is, I think it's because we're jealous. It's because we're jealous. What do you mean, Jeff? I mean that there are moments that it seems that sinners are having more fun than we are. That's what I mean. I mean, there are moments in your life when you're trying to follow Jesus, and come on, it's a fight. It is a fight. There is a battle that takes place. Sometimes it is this daily, I have to get up and fight for what I know I am supposed to do or not do. And then here are all these people around me who aren't even trying to walk that out correctly, and they seem to be having fun. Somebody said this, and it wasn't Jesus, but I think it's right. If sin isn't fun, then you're doing it wrong. There is, there is, a, there is an immediate fun aspect to sin, and we're going to talk about the other part of that a little later, but there just is. If sin isn't fun to you, you are doing it wrong because there is a part of an immediate payoff that, that we, we just look around us, and it looks like you are getting away with something that I can't get away with, and if I can't get away with it, then neither can you. We're jealous. I, 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 it's it's kind of like when some Christians seem to be happy that there's a hell. You ever met them? Have you ever met those Christians who seem to be happy that, 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 that there is a hell? And it's kind of this view of, I'm not going there, but it's good to know that you're finally going to get what's coming to you. Well, if you don't understand, well, I would say that you don't understand sin if you think people are getting away with it. We're jealous. Second reason, this one's not so much fun to talk about because we're self-righteous. Religious people can tend to be judgmental because we can be self-righteous. Now, listen, Self-righteousness is both ignorant and arrogant. It is. Because what we do is we compare ourselves to other people, all the while sort of trying to keep God on a leash. What I mean by that is I, I want to compare my righteousness to yours. And when I can elevate my holiness, because I look at your life and there are some things that, that, that I, I see are obvious messes, messes then, then I can elevate my own righteousness, but all the while I am dumbing down God's holiness. I compare while trying to keep God on a leash. Listen, this, this conversation today is really important because religion lends itself to be judgmental. But this conversation is also important today because do not judge is not all that Jesus said about judging. And I want us to see the whole picture today. It might 
surprise you. Here's what Jesus actually said. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Again, I didn't have to change the words. This is what he said. Do not judge. That's it. Didn't have to make anything up. Didn't have to twist anything around. Jesus said, do not judge. So when I say to somebody, do not judge me, what am I, what am I usually saying? I'm saying, don't criticize me. Don't, don't criticize me for something in my life. Don't criticize me for some weakness. Don't compare me to somebody else. D- don't compare me to some other situation. Don't confront me about something that you perceive in my life. Don't judge me. But I want you to notice that do not judge does not end with a period. After judge actually comes a comma. And this is what the statement reads. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Now, I think that's a better response next time you feel like somebody's judging you. Instead of just saying, do not judge me, you should say, do not judge or you too will be judged. What's the message? It's coming back. It's coming back on you. Jesus elaborates. Verse 2. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I think what Jesus is doing here is he's putting several phrases together, several lines together. He's driving home the same point. The, the judgment with which you judge others, you will be judged. The measure with which you measure others, you will be measured. I mean, it, I, I think it's exactly what he's saying here. Judge unto others as you would have others judge unto you. So how do you want to be judged? I'll go first. I prefer to be judged not. That's my preference. I prefer to be judged not. But if you are going to judge me, I would prefer that you would do it with mercy. That's what I would prefer. I would prefer that you would judge with mercy. I would prefer that, that if, that if you're going to judge me, you would take into account my story. I want you to take into account the family in which I was raised. I want you to take into account how I have been treated by this world. I want you to take into account all of my insecurities. I want you to take into account the temptations that I battle with. I want you to consider my whole story. Before you size me up and write me off, don't make that about one decision. Don't make that be about one bad day. I want you to show mercy as you consider my whole story. Fair? Verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Now, we kind of like this part. 
Because it confirms what? There's something in his eye, just like I told you there was, right? He really does. He's got something in his eye. I told you. I'm not passing judgment. I'm saying there's, there's the speck. Jesus said, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? That means there really is something there with her. There really is something there with him. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And I'm just convinced that on the day Jesus did this, I, I think people laughed. I do. I, I think for us, we've read it so much, but I, I can just imagine Jesus setting this whole thing up. And, and, and I mean, just, you know, he, he, he's probably on the mountainside as he's giving this whole talk, but you know, does he reach down and, and pick up a stick or, you know, some piece of wood that's, that's laying there? And he's like, why are you looking at the sawdust, right, in your brother's eye? When you, when you got the plank in your own eye, right, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Well, one, I think it's because it makes me feel better about what I got in my own eye. I, I would rather look at the speck in yours, even though I can only see it like with one eye because this one's all covered up with the plank that, that's coming out. But I can see that speck with this other eye. I can see that you have that in this. And if I'm focused on the little mess that you got going on, I, I'm this, this we don't have to talk about. Or I think it's surprising sometimes the reason we look at the speck in our brother's eye and not the plank in our own is we've gotten to where we don't even see this plank anymore. To be honest with you, I can't even really see it right now. It's just kind of dark. It's covering, covering my eye. And if I don't look that direction with this eye, as long as I keep looking this eye, I don't, even know, I don't even know that there is a plank sticking out of my eye. Then Jesus clarifies the knot. This is why. Okay, when he says, do not judge... Verse 4, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the while there is a plank in your own eye? How can you point out what is wrong with someone else when you have stuff wrong with you? I mean, what a great question. How could you do that? And then Jesus attaches two words that in church world, we love it when this word appears, right? Verse 5, you hypocrite. You hypocrite. Look at you. Focused on the speck in your brother's eyes, focused on the speck in your sister's eye, and here you are with, with the big old board sticking out your eye. Tucked away in this text, I guess we really could say is a definition for hypocrite in a way. A hypocrite is more interested in fixing other people than they are fixing themselves. They're much more interested in highlighting, focusing on, working on other people than they are working on themselves. 
So, what, what I'm hearing here is I, I, I should focus on my stuff. And how about I let other people focus on their stuff? I, I, I focus on, on my own mess and let other people focus on, on theirs. Maybe, maybe the point that Jesus is getting to here is mind your own business. And you got to say it doing your head sideways like that. Mind your own business. Isn't that how you feel like when you say it? You, you can't just say it. You either got to have hands or mind your own business. Why don't you just look in the mirror, dude, and deal with your own stuff? Only problem is Jesus doesn't end there. It's actually kind of where he begins. He doesn't wrap it up that way. It's a step to where he's going to take us. I say it's a step because look at what follows you hypocrite. You hypocrite, what's the next word? First, first, when I hear first, I hear list. I hear list. When I hear first, it means something else to follow. We got a, a list that's coming here. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will clearly see to remove the speck from your brother's eye. When I see the speck in your eye, it makes me recognize that I got stuff in mine too. When I see the mess up that's happening with you, it makes me recognize the mess ups in my own life. And when I'm willing to deal with my mess ups, that makes me better. It does. It makes me a better person to correct those things that need to be corrected. You being a mess makes me less of a mess. So when I'm tempted to pass judgment on thee, I should stop and check for traces in me. But he said, this is first, right? So if there's a first, then what's second? But before we actually read it, I, I want you to know I'm okay with just ending with first. I'd, I'd be okay with that. We could, we could have just ended with first. How about we just take the planks out of our own eyes? And wouldn't that have been cool if I could come in here and i deliver that message? Be like, yep, we, we should all take the planks out of our own eyes. Let everybody else worry about their own mess. Mind your own business. We'd all be better people for it. But following Jesus never stops with what's in it for me. I'm going to say that again. When you follow Jesus, you soon discover that following him never stops with just what's in it for me. Jesus said, Jeff, I love you. We sang about that this morning, numerous songs. Jeff, I love you. But actually, this is, this is, what, Jeff, this is what Jesus said, Jeff, I love 
one another as I have loved you. Oh. It, it didn't end with me. I want you to love one another as you have been loved. Following Jesus means my, my life is leveraged for others. So when I look at the mess in your life and I just learn from the mistakes, that's not the end. That's not the end. That's the first part. But then it gets to the second part. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Huh. If you, seeing my issues, makes you a better person, okay, but that does nothing for me. You seeing, because of what's in me, the stuff that's in you, that, that does nothing to help me. And so Jesus suddenly spins the whole thing around, and he says, here's what I want you to see. This is, this is not about just leaving people alone. This is not about just minding your own business. This is not about you just becoming a better per person. This is about getting in a place where you can approach others about the stuff that is in their lives. And when we hear a statement like that, we, we almost think, well, that's judgmental. Not according to Jesus. Not according to Jesus. Jesus commands us to address our stuff. But the reason he commands us to address our stuff is so that we can help others with their stuff. Deal with your plank so that you can help others deal with the speck. Because Jesus said all along, don't lose sight of this one thing. Love one another. And so Jesus, uh, judge does not equate to care not. Judge not does not equate to mind your own business. Love will not let me size you up and write you off. But love will also not let me size you up and walk away. I'm going to say it again. Love will not let me size you up and write you off. But it also will not let me size you up and walk away. Here's the lesson. The lesson is take the plank out of your eye in preparation for removing the speck from your brother's eye. That's the lesson. Take the plank out of your own eye in preparation for removing the speck from your brother's eye. Now, with a crowd like this today, I'm convinced that we fall into at least... Uh, what I'm going to call three audiences. Um, you could be in one of those three audiences. You may be in a couple of the three audiences. But I'm going I'm to tackle three. Here's the first group. 
Maybe you are the audience. Maybe you are a part of the group that you size people up and you write them off. I'm saying that's very, pop, very possible in a group of people this size. It's very possible with those who are, who are going to be listening to us online. It is possible that there is a crowd who sizes people up and writes them off. In other, in other words, you struggle with self-righteousness. That's what we're dealing with. You dumb down God's holiness while you elevate your own. And the way you elevate your own is you just make sure you compare yourself to other people, and as long as you can find somebody else who, who appears to have s something worse going on in, in their eye, then you feel better about where you are, but the reality is you never really allow yourself to be compared to the holiness of God. Now, Scripture provides enough evidence for me to say this with confidence. This kind of stuff drives Jesus crazy. There's enough pattern that I see of how Jesus operates in Scripture that this kind of stuff, this, this drives Jesus crazy. I, I have to imagine him looking in on us when we operate this way. And he's saying, I died for your sin. I died for your sin. And then you're going to act self-righteous toward other people's sin? What should be the response? If, if this is where you find yourself, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to say real quick... Most of us who have followed Jesus very long at some point, sometimes it's in a very ugly, very shocking kind of way. We suddenly realize, oh my goodness, my heart is self-righteous. If you followed Jesus very long, there have been some moments where suddenly something came out of your mouth and you went, oh, what that means about my heart, I don't like. So we don't need to act like today that like there's like, you know, one or two in the room who's ever struggled with such. We, we, a lot of us know what it means to struggle with self-righteousness, but there is a response that we know that the Bible calls us to, and this is the response. Repent. <laughs> it's often the word that we just attach to what it means to become a follower of Jesus, but no, the Bible talks about a life of continual repentance, a heart of continual repentance. This is, here's a statement that, that I want to make to you. If the sin of others doesn't break your heart, if the sin of others doesn't break your heart, you, maybe you see other people's sin and there's a part of you that's disgusted by what you see. Maybe you see people's sin and there's a part of you that's angered by what you see. But if, if you see other people sin and it does not break your heart, it is probably because your heart has never been broken over your own sin. It's what self-righteous people do. That's the first group. That's the first group. You size people up 
and you write them off. But there's a second group. The second group is you size people up and you walk away. You size people up and you walk away. This is the group that sees someone, got the speck in their eye, and this is the way it reads, except for the grace of God. That's me. <laughs> except for the grace of God. That, that, that could be me. Right, God, when I, when I see what's going on in his life, when I see what's going on in her life, it just reminds me of, of the grace that you ha- have poured out in my life. I, I'll pray for him. I am praying for her. But I am not going to go talk to them. Because really, it's none of my business. And Jesus says, actually, it is your business. It's what love requires of you. It's what love requires of you. I mean, I mean after all, you, you've, you've known it a long time. I mean, you, you, you've, you've heard the song for a long time, right? I can see clearly now the plank is gone, right? Sorry. It just feels like it needed to be done. But that's the point. You can see clearly now because the plank is gone. I, I saw the, the speck makes me want to deal with the plank in my own eye, and now I can see clearly what should you do. Here's the response. You confront. You confront. Now, come on, when I use the word confront, you don't have to think harsh. When I use the word confront, you don't have to think uh, unloving. When I we use the word confront, you, you don't need to, to, to think about like beating people up. That's not what this is. But what this passage calls us to and what Jesus calls us to is to deal with the plank in our own eye so that when we do see the speck, the hurt, the, the wrong that's in someone else's life, we can help. We can confront That's actually the call here. That's actually the lesson. And I know this is puzzling for some of you because you have grown up your entire life people teaching you, don't judge, don't judge. It's none of your business. You got bigger stuff in your own life than other people have in theirs. You just need to leave people alone. Don't ever say a word. Don't ever confront those wrongs because who are you? And I'm telling you that is exactly the opposite of what Jesus says here. He says you deal with the big stuff in your life in preparation for being able to help others who have those things in their life. I am, um, this is going to sound weird, but I am kind of used to confronting. I am. It's It's a part of kind of expectations that go with the role that I have. I am expected when it comes to especially leadership, that, that 
Um, when there is something recognizable in someone's life that um, it is a requirement for me to say, hey, we need to talk about that. Hey, we need to talk about what's going on here. Because otherwise, if that doesn't happen, what happens? The label that gets put on us is that church, man, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. They claim to be leaders and claim to follow Jesus. But, and so in my world and in my life, I am used to walking into situations that, that, that look, here's, here's what I, I see. We got to talk about this. Sometimes the response I get is, that's none of your business. It really is. And I say, well, according to Jesus, it really is, just like anything in my life would be your business. It is actually a family business. It's not just the pastor's job. It's not just the pastor's job. It's the family's job. This is a part of how we one another. This is a part of how we actually love each other. And then there's a third group. There's a third group. Y'all all right? This will kind of mess you up if you've actually heard something very different your whole life. I mean, it really is. If, if you've always been taught, don't judge, means mind your own business, this will mess, Jesus will mess you up with this statement. But here's the third group. You have been sized up but refuse to listen. I'm talking about the group of people where somebody did approach you and your response was, do not judge me. Someone did see something in your heart. Someone did see something in, their, in your life. They, they saw something of, of sin there. There was a, a pattern going on, and, and they said, hey, man, this is headed for hurt. This is, this is headed for trouble. And you said, you have no right to judge me. And they said, I'm not trying to judge you. I, I, I really want to help you. And you said, mind your own business. But deep down inside, deep down inside, you knew there was something that needed to be changed and what they called you on, you knew that there was something of a mess going on there. You knew it. But you got defensive. And I'm telling you, defensiveness ensures that your past will continue to show up in your future. Defensiveness will ensure that the things that you have experienced in, in the past hurts, it will show up in your future. Sometimes, isn't it interesting, sometimes we will use the imperfection of how somebody confronts us with just ignoring the issue. You know what I'm talking about? You, you ever had that person come to you and they're confronting you over an issue and they weren't so gentle? They weren't so loving? You felt like they, 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 were at, they were with a club, right? You, their approach was imperfect. And because the approach was imperfect, it caused you to just say, I'm done. 
and it made you ignore the issue that they were actually right about. They just handled it wrong. So if that's you, what do you do? Well, here's the response. It's time to listen. It's time to listen. And to be able to see beneath all of that, they were willing to risk enough. They loved you enough to risk enough, just like Jesus said. So, can you say, awkward message, awkward talk? What happy song are we going to sing at the end of this one? We're not. We're not. But you know, I, I just want to remind us that this is awkward, not just because it's a Christian thing. This is awkward because it's just a people thing across the board. It really is. This is awkward because it, it, it really does apply to everybody. So, you guys, what if, what if today we at least said, you know what, I'm taking a first step in this whole deal. I'm at least going to take a first step toward obedience of taking the plank out of my own eye. And I want to encourage you today that we can, because again, we all most likely at some point or another have been guilty. So I'm going to do something that might be considered incredibly awkward, but it's okay. Nobody's going to hurt you. I'm not calling anybody out. Um, the awkwardness will be determined by your honesty. The awkwardness will be determined by your desire to actually follow what Jesus says. So here's another moment. We get to these moments often where we open the Bible and we read it and then we go, hmm, that was, that was really interesting. That was really interesting. That was, that was a totally different take on, uh, on do not judge than I think I've ever heard in my life. I have, that, that was really good. That was really good. Or we can actually take a first step. So I'm going to do something awkward. If we could put all three groups back up. Can we put the, the one that's got all three? There we go. There we go. So we got a group of people, sizes people up, writes them off. The right response is repent. You size people up and you walk away. Proper response is confront. You've been sized up but refuse to listen. It's time to listen. I am going to, in a very unacceptable American way, give us a corporate opportunity at this moment to just respond, these three audiences to respond by simply, don't do it yet, a lifted hand. And you're not, you got, got to, you're not going to say anything. You don't have to explain anything. It's just a lifted hand that says, I recognize that's where I am. And I want to take a first step of being where Jesus wants me to be. Now, how crazy is it that that's crazy? 
How crazy is it that that's crazy for me to consider us doing that today, but that's just kind of where we've driven things to. So here we go. Here we go. I have no idea, but, but here we go. I'm going to say there is an audience here, and, and you just know if this has been that there's somebody even right now in your life that you size them up and you have written them off. Anybody in the house ever been there or there now? Yeah, there we go. Here's what we know our response is. We repent. That's what we do. How beautiful is that that Jesus said, turn to me. Do you know all the possibilities he could have said? Like, you're done. Are you kidding me? Because that's self-righteousness, right? I recognize that about me. That is self-righteousness. I'm dumbing down his holiness and I'm elevating mine by comparing it to somebody else. That's self-righteousness and you would think Jesus would have every right to go, done with you. But instead he said, turn to me. That's beautiful. How about a second group in the house? You size people up, but then you have tended to walk away, which means I can see something in someone's life but I am not going to talk to them about it because it isn't none of my business, or I just don't want to deal with the stuff. Anybody? Yeah. Okay. We know our response is then confront. That, that means that in, in your life right now, there, there needs to be some of this stuff right here going on, on your knees. God, I need to do this the right way. God, I, I need to see... God, are, are, there, are, there, are there planks in my own eye? God, I want to deal with those things, but here's my brother, and I love him. Here's my sister, and I love her. I care about them. Here's what I see happening in their life right now. God, help me to confront that with mercy and love, compassion, and yet truth. That's your next move. That's your next move. And then I'm just going to go for it here. One more move that maybe you're sitting here today and there has been a time when somebody did confront you with what was going on and you just um, refused to listen. Okay. Okay. Then it's just simply time to listen. Listening to their heart. And I'm saying, hey, you know what? They might not get the approach exactly right. Come on, they might not. Like we all sometimes could say it a little bit better. We we all could sometimes be a little gentler in how we approach it sometimes. Sometimes it's because we're so nervous. Sometimes it's because we're so afraid of the response. But I'm, I'm saying... Listen, if somebody loves you enough that they'll risk to say it, it's probably worth listening. And it's definitely worth listening to Jesus. So, I'm going to pray for us to close us. When I'm done praying, we're going to be dismissed. There will be some of us who are over here on the side available that if you need prayer today, it could be about anything. It might not be about this topic. It might be something else going on in your life. We'd be honored to pray with you. But I want to pray for us specifically 
with what, what we just acknowledged that needs to change. I thank you for being willing to listen to me today. But you're going to be thankful that you were willing to listen to what Jesus had to say today. I'll pray and we'll be dismissed. I love you guys. God, <laughs> again, this one's clear. Uh, you didn't choose to tell um, any parables with this one that sometimes leaves us trying to interpret. Um, this one, you, 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 just, you just said it, and it's clear. And God, as we have just acknowledged, we all know what we need to do next. So my prayer is that this week, uh, many will be confronted. And that's because a whole bunch of your kids are going to take a giant step forward in what it means to love people around us. God, I'm so asking protection over those conversations. God, the way that those things are said. God, how the confrontation happens. God, may it be with mercy and grace and humility. God, help us to do those things in light of a cross. God, this week, may there be many who are confronted so that there can be healing. God, I also pray that there will be many this week who go back to those uh, with whom they've been defensive and be able to say thank you. Thank you for saying those things to me even though I did not listen. God, I'm asking that, that you would give us courage um, to begin to listen. God, give us, give us a heart that is willing to receive and then you'll help us to know, God, truth and where you want us to step. God, I, I pray that there will be many this week who go back to those who have approached them and say, I should have listened. And then, God, I, I pray that many who are self-righteous will repent. God, I, I pray that we would recognize apart from a cross and a resurrection. God, we got no hope. We are all condemned apart from a cross and a resurrection, but that cross and that resurrection, it has changed everything for us. So God, I pray that this week there would be many who would repent of self-righteousness. And that all together this week, your church, your family, your kids will love one another. Jesus, thanks for shaking us up a little bit today. Thanks for messing us up a little bit on what, what our definitions might have been. We want our heart to be defined by you. Help us. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Love you guys. God bless.